Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What if David would have listened to his men? He would have done the wrong thing. Now, did logically what the men ask him to do make sense? Hello? Absolutely. But David didn't. Now, we know in the scripture it says it's wise to get counsel from other people. I have a whole group of people, Pastor Carl, the elders, some of the pastors that I really rely on. Um, obviously, you, you need people around you to give wisdom. But sometimes, you just got to do what God tells you to do. And this is one of those cases. Remember, he is a leader, and so he's an influence of men. Unless you're in what people normally think of as leadership positions, you probably don't think that others are watching you and taking their behavioral cues from you. The fact of the matter is, though, that if there's someone with less seniority than you have, you are being observed. Pastor Mark will be teaching about David's influence on his men. You might not have 600 men watching the decisions you make, but the principle is the same. As a follower of Jesus, it's important for you to be seeking God all the time, just as David did. That way, you'll be showing others what godly decision-making looks like. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 24, as he continues his series, The Life of David. Jeremiah 17.5 says, This is what the Lord says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength, and they turn their hearts away from the Lord. So impatience often leads to disobedience. It's not just that we get the timing wrong. We usually head out and do things that we should have never done in the first place. Obviously make idols. Obviously bring another woman into your marriage. So God's timing is crucial in our walk. And it's easy for us, as we look from this situation, we can be pretty critical. But see, when we're in the heat of a decision and we're trying to figure out what to do, it's a little more difficult. So it's messy because we want to solve it and we want to get in there. Just turn with me for a moment to Acts chapter 7. Let's look at another one quickly. Acts chapter 7. Luke was giving us a history. And we'll get down to verse 24. Now, speaking of Moses obviously earlier than we just read, but just another neat opportunity. Now Moses, verse 24, saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. And Moses, verse 25, thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue him, but they did not. So what happened to Moses here? Moses took things into his own hands. This was never God's plan, but it looked good to Moses. The opportunity was there. He was strong. 
He did it. Now, how disastrous was this for Moses? Well, how many years did he pay for that baby? Forty. Forty years in the wilderness because he got ahead of God. Forty years in the wilderness. Well, you're close by. Look at Acts one twelve. This is a good one. I was thinking about this a lot when I was in India. Acts one twelve. Remember, just before this, in John and also in Luke, Jesus gets his disciples together just before he goes back to heaven, and he says to them, boys, I'm going to take the ministry, and it's going to be in your hands. So it is good. It's going to go in their hands. But he says, you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to wait. You're going to go out to Jerusalem. You're going to have to go to the upper room, and you're going to wait for God to come. You can't get ahead. You're going to have to wait. So to do that, of course, they probably argued with themselves. We've been trained by you for three and a half years. Come on. why do we, We're ready to go. He said, no, no, no. What I had, being filled with the Spirit, you're going to have to have. So look at verse 12, Acts 1. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk for the city. What did they do? They did exactly what God said. They didn't take it into their own hands. They went to the upper room and they waited. And what does Acts chapter 2 tell us? That the Spirit came and fell on them. And that was their way to begin to do what God wanted them to do. Now I thought of this. What if, what if those disciples hadn't waited? They would have gone in ministry and whose power? Theirs. Who knows what would have happened? We don't even know what the church would look like or where we'd be. So the next thing you want to write is important. If you and I expect to be led by God, we have to first be obedient. We have to first be obedient. We have to understand that when God gives us directions, he will give us the next direction, but you have to be obedient first. You can't get ahead of God. You just can't get ahead of God. I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight. I'm speaking to myself. But maybe there's specific things that you've been working through. So just understand that. It is hard to wait. We get excited. We've been there. We get fed up with the situation or the possibilities of something new. Man, let's go. Let's go. Let's make it happen. But if we try to make it happen, it's a disaster. So what do we learn? What do we learn from this? Just right here. David doing the right thing. Don't get ahead of God's timing. Don't be impatient. Don't take things into our own hands. And the last thing you want to write on this passage is this. Waiting on God brings blessing. But impatience, impatience will cost us. You've been there and I've been there. It will cost us. Now back to 1 Samuel 24, verse 5. Now afterward, David goes to the back of the cave Saul doesn't even know what's happened, just puts his robe back on. He's kind of in the, in the dark, obviously. David was conscience-stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. So once again, we're introduced to this thing called our conscience, this moral sense of right and wrong that affects our thoughts, and then, of course, ultimately affects our behavior. It's kind of like that traffic light. It tells you when to start, stop, green, caution, red. 
all of this there. It's kind of like a moral traffic light. Now, here's the problem. Our conscience will tell us to do right, but it will not tell us what is right. So that comes from the Word of God. So you want to write this, you know this, but it's good for you to be reminded. To be effective, which David's is, our conscience must be programmed by the Word of God. That's why we study the Word of God. We're going through the principles over and over and over again. If you've been a Christian, you already understand waiting on God. But we also understand we've all not waited on God. We've all taken things in our own hands, and we know what that looks like. So this conscience is something that God put within us, and it's tended to be sensitive and a tool that God has, but it has to be cared for, otherwise it can malfunction. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time tonight, but I thought it'd be good to remind us a little bit of that conscience. You can have a super sensitive conscience, so much so that everything is wrong. And those of you that come from more a legalistic background, that's what you're going to struggle with. Everything's wrong. Oh, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And you're kind of sin conscious the whole time. Just always, I'm afraid I'm not going to be good enough. That's too sensitive. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. The second one is a compromising conscience. That's where we convince ourselves that everything is fine, but it's not. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. God will understand. It's kind of that, that cheap grace kind of deal. Well, you know, God knows who I am. I'm just, just uh, old dirt, and he said it, oh, I was, and let me just go ahead and do it. I'm fine. No, 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 no. Be careful. Third is a hardened conscience. Now, where does a hardened conscience come from? Hardened conscience comes from one thing. When God speaks to us, we say no. Then God speaks to us, and we say no. And God speaks to us, and we say no. It comes from constantly saying no to the will of God. Then our conscience gets hardened. doesn't matter. We're no longer is there a twinge. We're just fine. We can sit. We can be here. We're unmoved by truth. It's almost, the Bible says, seared. Seared. Like you just burn your fingertip on a, on a stove or whatever. And then you go, somebody says, does it hurt? You go, no, it doesn't hurt at all. It's because you seared it. There's no feeling there anymore. That's the kind of thing that can happen. And last is the good or the clear conscience. That's what you and I want, kind of a sensitive conscience. This is the one that when there is guilt, it's true guilt. It's not everything's wrong. It's this one thing that we did, and the Spirit speaks to us. This is really what David has. He kind of has this clear conscience. So let me read to you out of Acts twenty four sixteen. Paul says this, So I strive always to keep my conscience clear, before God and man. So it's something we have to work at, not to be super sensitive, not to be compromising, definitely not to be hardened. But when God speaks to us, we know how to, uh, we know how to work with it. So David had this clear conscience. I asked myself as I looked at this story, when did David realize that this was not an open door, but a test from God? When did he realize that? Was it before he clipped or was it after he clipped? When did he really realize? I don't know. I think probably afterward. It looked really good. I mean, in the, in the background, 
you know, you, you didn't hear this, but in the background, go, David, go, 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 David, go, go, David, go. He's up there, all right, boys. And then he does it. Then he's going, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, please write this down. David knew this truth now. Every open door is not the will of God. That's hard for us. And let me just speak about that for a moment. David was determined, F.B. Meyer says this, David was determined that when he sat on the throne of Israel, it wouldn't be because he got Saul out of the way, but because God got Saul out of the way. He wanted God's fingerprints on that work, not his own. He wanted the clean conscience that comes from knowing it was God's work. So that's why his conscience began to bother him. Verse 6. As he comes to the back of the cave, he says to his men, they're going, how did it go? We couldn't quite see. And he shows them a little piece of material. Notice what he says. The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Now with these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way, not knowing anything happened. So what did David do? Well, he respected the office of the king, although probably, obviously, he's not respecting the man. He respected the office. It's pretty similar to all of us. We're required in our government officials to respect that office, pray for our leaders. And as we do that, Saul really wasn't worth respect, but the office was there. So David restrained himself. Now, This is something important. What if David would have listened to his men? He would have done the wrong thing. Now, did logically what the men asked him to do make sense? Hello? Absolutely. But David didn't. Now, we know in the scripture it says it's wise to get counsel from other people. I have a whole group of people, Pastor Carl, the elders, some of the pastors that I really rely on. Um, Obviously, you, you need people around you to give wisdom. But sometimes... You just got to do what God tells you to do. And this is one of those cases. Remember, he is a leader, and so he's an influence of men. So notice that David didn't fail the test, so that meant that the men didn't fail the test. That's huge. Now, what is he teaching these 600 men? To wait on the Lord. That's huge. He didn't have to preach a sermon. He just taught it to him. You wait on the Lord. See, every person that's a teacher is an influencer of people. I'm an influencer of people, whether I want to be or not. If you're a parent, you're an influencer. And you don't have to preach sermon. You just have to live right. And that's what David's done. He doesn't listen to the men. It seems right. The men don't get it. They're learning. His respect for Saul's position causes him not to do that. Now, let's just talk a moment, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I think it's good because sometimes we've been raised in churches and we have all kinds of ideas. The Lord's anointed. 
Now, in the Old Testament, that was a little different. In the Old Testament, there was only certain people anointed. You know that by the Spirit of God. Kings would have wound burned, prophets would have been whatever. Now, when we come to the New Testament, who's anointed when we come to the New Testament? Every single Christian's anointed. Why? Because who do you, if you're a Christian, who do you have in you? So every Christian is anointed. It's very different. So we're all anointed. So we used to hear things, you know, and, and those of you that haven't been in church for a long time and weren't, hadn't gone through church splits and all that kind of stuff, bless you, you've been blessed. You don't have a clue. We have to say, don't touch, you know, we have a pastor that's in sin and whatever. Don't touch God's anointed. They go to this, but don't touch, just leave them there. God will take care of them, whatever. Well, sometimes you just have to go in and do what God's going to ask you to do because Paul says, if they're teaching heresy, get them out, get rid of them, move them away. But remember, we're not just talking about that. I, I take constructive criticism. I have to. Every leader needs to. We're just human people. So that we have checks and balances around us. You're anointed tonight. But that doesn't mean you're like, you're super wise. You need to take constructive criticisms. You understand what I'm trying to say? We're all anointed. We have the Holy Spirit in us. But we're jars of clay, too. And so we just need to hear all of those kind of things that are going there. So anytime you have a leader who says, well, don't touch the anointed, something's wrong behind the leader is all I'm going to say. If you think, if you, if you have to walk into work, we talked about this today, kind of saying, if you have to walk into work and say to, to your employees, respect me, there's a problem, isn't there? You see, that really happens in our home. Sometimes we have trouble with our teenagers, especially at that difficult year. And, you know, well, respect me because I'm your father. Well, be careful. I mean, you can't force that. That has to come from what? A heart? That willingly respects it. And so David does this because he's anointed, obviously as a king. Amazingly, Saul at this point is what? He's not anointed. So what does he honor? He honors the position. But what does he honor more than that? He honors God. He says, God, I could remove him, but I'm going to wait for you to do it. Because God did not give him the green light. Now, that didn't make any sense to those 600 men. And you're going to see in a while, they're going to be on the run again. They're going to be on the run again. So they're saying, David, it was perfect. But it wasn't because it wasn't God's timing. So this is the thing you have to understand. God will give you his specific will. And sometimes people from the backside looking at you we might give you the wrong decision. So very often, you'll find that the pastors here and the elders, we've learned not to give you a- an answer to if that and whatever, if it's kind of a gray area. We just say to you, you seek God. Here's what I see here and here, but you're going to have to seek God. Because I can't tell you what God wants for your life, and this is black and white. If it's in that gray area, you're going to have to hear the timing. Should I move? Should I, should I move? Should I put my house up for sale? Should I do this? Should I do that? I can't tell you that. But God will tell you that. So you have to be close to God. See, if you take a whole category of people, pretty soon it's, you know, 80, 20, and then it's 40, 60, and you're so more confused you were when you started. Don't be confused. James chapter 1 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give you the wisdom. So if you're here tonight in those situations, 
I've got a whole list of stuff at home that I'm praying for. God's timing. And I'm going to pray for that phone in a moment that's going to be thrown right against the back wall over there. Okay, now, let's go to verse 6. Notice what it says in verse 6. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing. Did you understand? We already read it, but I wanted you to see that. The who, who forbid? So how did that happen? Where did he turn to to understand that? That was the Spirit speaking to who? David. That's how we hear his voice. My sheep hear his voice. Don't be confused tonight. You can hear, you can hear the voice of God. Now, let's go to verse 8. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul. This is pretty brave in itself. My lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. I'd have a hard time with that personally. Would you? Here's a guy trying to kill you. But David is amazing to me. He could have remained hidden in the cave. And Saul later would say, what happened to my robe? But he didn't. So here he comes and he humbly bows down before the man that's constantly trying to kill him. Again, he showed respect for the king. And he also showed one other thing, respect for God's protection. What David was doing was simply the right thing. Because he's going to actually challenge Saul. Say, Saul, you can still turn your life back to God. You're not going to be king because that's been taken away from you. But you can go back and honor God. Verse 9. And he said to Saul, why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? Let me just stop there for a moment. My wife was talking to me this morning about her Bible study that she was teaching. And this morning it was about the tongue. Why do you listen to what men say? Gossip is amazing, isn't it? We've all been there too. Do you hear the latest? Of course, now we don't have to do that. We just put it in the blog and it goes till eternity. You Twitter something, you're there for life. Put a picture up, there you are. It's around the world. So understand... What he's saying is, Saul, where'd you get this deal? Who's been telling you that I'm out to kill you or to take your position before God says it's time? Who's been telling you that? By the way, when you begin to hear gossip, remember who's always behind gossip. The liar, Satan. Always. So before you go off the deep end, and we've all been there and been very embarrassed... Could I, could I see a couple hands that you've been very embarrassed when you went, oh, it's not true? So make sure, and sometimes if it is true, you don't need to spread it anyway. Go to the individual, do whatever God says you do. Today, Pastor Mark taught more about David's life and how he is an example for you as to how to live. You learned that even though opportunities may appear you need to be tied into God and His timing. You heard how impatience is unbelief, failing to trust God to manage your life. Impatience will lead you to charging ahead and missing God's best for you. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching about the life of David. He will talk about how Saul mistreated David, but David didn't try to get even with Saul, even when he had the opportunity. You'll learn the importance of letting God settle up with those who do you wrong. He'll also talk about the examples you'll see of true and false repentance. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.